Witches and Tea podcast fans. It's your girl, Danny here. We're back at it again with another episode. I'm so excited because this episode is going to be so much more positive. Thank you guys so much for sticking through some of those, you know, those harder moments, those darker episodes. And, you know, advocacy is a huge, huge part of this podcast. We want to make sure that people's stories are getting out there and that people know that they have a platform to speak on. So, um, so today... Uh, we have something, like I said, a little bit different, but this episode, if it doesn't, if you're not fired up by the end of this episode, I, I don't know, you need to go <laughs> run a mile or drink some coffee or something. But I have today an amazing woman who I've had the privilege to get to know. She reached out to me and is out here to help women. She is a real estate agent, real estate coach, and she is here to help women worldwide. She has a very impressive resume and I'm really excited to dive into it. I would love to introduce Danielle King. Hi, Danielle. Hello, hello, Danny. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. No complaints. So, Danielle, how did you find the X's and T podcast? And, and what was really your biggest motivation for reaching out and wanting to come on and share your story? I'm always hashtagging and looking at hashtags about women, women empowerment, and those or just women, period. And I think some way, and I used to live on the West Coast, so I'm not sure if it was women empowerment or women that I follow that hashtag or was it you were originally on further on the west coast too and our worlds kind of collided and I've been looking at your post and seeing some of the women on there and you know kind of I guess guilt tracing all of the women you know like oh she's pretty cool oh she's pretty cool when I saw the post and I said oh I want to I want to be on that podcast I want to be part of the the women empowerment or tell my story and listen to other stories and just kind of a really cool I guess you could say cast of of women so far yeah absolutely and that is definitely our biggest focus here. We love the men who listen. We love the men who've been on the podcast, but it really started with the domestic violence side of things. You know, we really wanted women to feel empowered after violence mm -hmm. and, and after trauma, because I know when I was going through it, there wasn't anybody out there talking about it. And I really not only wanted to share my own story, I wanted to give people a platform to feel supported. And I think that's one of my favorite parts of your message is that you are here to support women. Your main focus is to help women in real estate and to kind of view that whole industry in a very different light. And you had actually told me about that before we started recording was that you didn't want sales to be a bad thing. You don't want us to continue fearing rejection. And what is it in kind of your early career that really motivated you to want that to be one of your biggest motivations? Um, so I've always been like a nine to five person prior to maybe a couple of years ago. And that felt safe, but not safe in a aspect of financially. You know what I mean? So yeah, I knew I was going to get a paycheck. I know I was going to get that one to 3% per year, but that wasn't actually keeping up with inflation. So I felt slighted and no matter what I did, I couldn't catch up. And then I, I started to meet women in sales, older women who who didn't have college degrees, who were able to really create a, a lifestyle for themselves, their families, if they were single, their kids or whoever, and they were doing it through sales and not being afraid and not taking it personal. And it kind of resonated with me, you know, and then that was that. And then when, when I thought about so many women or minorities who couldn't own real estate, but when I looked at real estate and over the past hundred years and the double digit rate of return, 
learned, I was like, okay, let me mix sales and real estate. And I guess I'll become a real estate agent. You know what I mean? And I mean, I, I'm not to the point where I can just go out there and buy property, but I can insert myself into the mix until I can do it. You know what I mean? Just being around yeah. it. So that's kind of where my mind was. And it's crazy because I've always been into professions that aren't typical for women. So you know, like general contracting. I'm writing my dissertation on the attitudes and perceptions of women in general contracting and how to urge more women to get into skilled labors because you get paid more, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's again, that, that financial stability, you know, because what, in the 50s and the 60s, we couldn't even buy a home, buy a car, have a credit card, you know? So I'm like, boom, it's our, it's our time to shine. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And with some of your career path, oh my gosh, I mean, all of it, really, you just have such a resume that's so diverse. I mean, you, he would owned a gym, right? That mm -hmm, you had mm -hmm. said that you mentioned you were, um, you owned a gym, you were a bodybuilder. And at one point you were also a police officer. Yeah. Yep. Yes, ma'am. From about 22 to almost 30, 31, I was a police officer in South Florida and Northwest Florida for, for what was that, eight to nine years? And, and it really opened my eyes to, you know, starting to be a police at 22, where you think all grownups tell the truth. And then you realize like, no, why, why are you lying? We're birth adults, you know, like, but yeah, I learned a lot and it taught me a lot. And um, yeah, so I enjoyed it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And then how did you come to own your own gym? So it was, this is another crazy story. I was, so I ended up marrying uh, a Navy guy. We ended up going, moving to Japan overseas and another military spouse introduced me to CrossFit and CrossFit had just kind of came out. It was kind of popular, but kind of not popular. And she was so adamant that I joined and I had every excuse in the book because I was working and every excuse I had, she countered it, you know, and I wasn't gonna not be not show up, you know. So yeah, I ended up showing up. I ended up really liking it. I ended up going to Tokyo to get my my certification, and then I had such a transformation that other spouses, other um, women, wanted me to train them. So I ended up training a lot of women. And then when we PCS permanent change station to San Diego, it's like I had already so many. Uh, other spouses and so many other active duty women who had already moved to San Diego and they were like, hey, you're here, train me. And then it started in my garage and then it grew so big till we had an HOA and it had, we had tons of cars parked up and down. And then now here I am running a business out of the house and the HOA and running up and down the street. So I was like, okay, now I need a building. And then that building grew and then that grew and that grew. And then, like I mentioned, I ended up being on This Is Her now. And then it went viral. So that, and then the bodybuilding, and it just kind of exploded off of something that I did not originally want to do. And that's why we always need to try new things because you never know. Wow. That is a crazy story. And I love how it ties <laughs> perfectly. It all comes full circle. Because all, every when time. You... And a lot of people, I know a lot of women who have been in real estate. And as we mentioned before, I was on the mortgage side of things for a brief period of time. And mm -hmm. I've gotten to know quite a few, you know, ladies who are in mortgage and ladies who are in real estate. And a lot of them said at first they didn't want to be in real estate because it's mm -mm. kind of scary to be the front person that like the face 
of everything. And it's, it's intimidating. And I think something that, that you had said previously when we had spoken was that you, that you want for women to the word no, to kind of be like water off a duck's back, like just to not fear it. And so when it comes to like adversity, what have been some things that you have done over time that you have found works for you that you would love for other people to try? Um, not being afraid to fail and failing fast. Hurry up. Get it out the way. It's almost like if you're going to get in the pool and you stick your toe in and you know it's cold and then it'll take hours for you to plunge if you stick your toe in. But if you just jump in, you've already you're going to acclimate yourself to that temperature fast and enjoy it. So it's always about failing for and failing fast and not being not taking it personal. Like a no is not personal. So the quicker you get that no and move on and almost make it a game like, OK, how many no's can I get today? Okay, I'm going for 20 no's. And we all know it's a third of a third of a third. If you talk to 20 people, two people might say yes. And if you are in sales, two sales a day is freaking amazing. You, you're a winner. You know, and one sale a month in the real estate industry is five to six thousand dollars and that's in florida with a house of an average of 250 to three hundred thousand you know and that's low so it's like just just weigh it outweigh the benefit of the no like hey am i going to be able to take care of my family am i going to be able to create generational wealth am i going to be able to do the things that i want to do to help others okay that's worth that little no from joe who i don't even really know anyway you know and then what i'm realizing is the older you become the less if if you if you apply it what i'm saying the less you care about what other people think you know of course i'm not going out here saying forget everybody and i'm a i'm, I'm a mean person but it's like if i'm really sincere and i'm really trying and that person is not accepting of it then that's their issue let me go over here and find somebody who does appreciate it who does need the help who i do you know match with yeah wow i love that because i know for me personally i need to take it like all of that into my own life. Cause I, I did sales and, and I loved it because mm -hmm. you're right. You do tend to, you, you turn it into a game. Like how many no's can you get? And I got that from uh, Jeffrey Gittimer's the sales Bible, that book uh, yep. got me through my <laughs> first half of my sales career. And you know, it's, it's something where I think a lot of people and a lot of women specifically need that type of coaching, need somebody who can tell them, Hey, this is what you need to be doing. And when you think about, you know, like the sales seminars, those can be fantastic. And mindset is super important. And I think watching somebody do it, watching them say, what does your dialogue look like? Like, what is it that like, how do you counteract those no's? Those types of things are so helpful. And I can honestly say, I don't know of very many women who are, who are doing that in real estate or in sales. And to have somebody kind of take the lead and say, you know what, I'm going to come in, I'm going to educate these women, whoever wants it can have it as long as they're willing to work for it. And I think that mentality is amazing. And I know that you, you also, you are very college educated. And I'm wondering how did you um, start college and what has that journey looked like for you? And then how how, do you, how does that tie into your goal of being a real estate coach? So I like to see it as twofold. Now, like I said, I've always been a nine to five person short of these maybe five to six years. And that's where I felt most comfortable. And again, 
being a, a double minority, it's like, okay, I know I need a college degree so that I could at least be more marketable. And that was my original take on it. And I did not, and working at the police department, to be able to promote, you needed to have a college degree. So that was what led to my first degree in public administration, you know, the public. I didn't want to narrow it down to criminal justice because I, I had a feeling that I was not going to be a cop for 20 to 30 years, you know? So I was like, okay, I'll do public administration. And then I got so intrigued with business till I got my MBA. That was the master's in business administration with a concentration in public administration. And I thought, okay, if I wanted to be in business and I wanted to be able to read the public as far as, okay, what parks are, what, what constitutes a healthy community, a park, you know, okay, what constitutes a healthy community within a park? Okay, now you need enough police, to, you need enough ambulance you need enough money you need enough parks and rec because now you got twenty thousand extra people so all of that i'm really into healthy communities and growth and so boom then i was like okay i when we went overseas and i every time i get bored i'm like what am i gonna do next i hate twiddling my thumbs and my grandmother used to say that an idle mind is the devil's workshop you know so i was like oh I'm going to get my doctorate. And I was like, okay, what am I going to get it in? And I was like, okay, management, leadership, and organizational change. So I love going into a situation or going into an organization and making everybody feel a part of. So I was able to use that in every business that I've had is, hey, I'm going, it's not going to just be my baby. It's going to be all of our babies. And we want to see it all grow, you know, so kind of garnering the believability in that business and helping you to believe that it's also yours or a help, you know, like a raising tide raises all the ship, you know? So it's like, let's all believe if I make money, you make money. Cause now I could pay you more or now I could give you bonuses. So I don't necessarily always believe that as an entrepreneur, you have to have a degree, but I do believe that it gives you an edge, you know, as far as researching, as far as being a little bit more well-rounded and if nothing else, a little bit more disciplined because it takes a lot of discipline to sit down and do all of that work and to put up with those uh instructors or you know uh, and then because I grew up really poor and I grew up you know fighting for everything it's like I never wanted to be in a situation where if I needed to pivot I wasn't able to so if entrepreneur wasn't a thing I know that I could go get a job I know I could be an instructor I know I could go consult I know I could sell myself if anything else you know what I mean so I think I, I don't like to say out of fear but when you don't grow up with a lot a lot of things you do out of survival and you want to always be ready especially as a single mom like I've been a single mom in the past you know so and a teenage mom so it was always survival go do be wow and adding that in there because I didn't know that which is incredibly inspirational especially for all the single moms out there which was me for a long period of time as well and you you kind of get this stigma that statistically speaking supposedly like your children mm -hmm. are going to fail because you you know, made a decision as a teenager. And I love the fact that today we are continuing to prove that statistic wrong. I see so many amazing children come from single parents. I see those single parents themselves flourish. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that you're right. Like the, the, the stigma is always, I think, going to be there. We can, I'm, a, I'm about fighting it every single day. And yep. <laughs> the thing is, is just making sure that, you know, we know that we can do these things, even though society is often telling us, nope, you can't do that. You, you like something about somebody's society's 
telling them you can't do this. And how would you say for somebody who might feel that something about them is maybe preventing them from reaching that next step? Sometimes it's about planning. It's about planning and, and writing your goals down so that you have a blueprint for when you get in your head. Because everybody, I don't care if it's the most amazing person with a pair of angel wings on their back you get in your head and and whatever reason the enemy or whomever or that whoever is in your head tells you that you aren't good enough or you hear that teacher or you hear that mom I don't know what it is but I met ladies who I thought were absolutely amazing and so accomplished and when you talk to them they tell you of how they get in their heads and what kept them on track is a plan is following that plan having that go go to God instead of leaning on how you're feeling that day. You know what I mean? Because you're going, I don't know why hormones are a thing, but some days you have it and some days you don't. And it's like, what did I do between yesterday and today? Did I eat, you know, two hormone pills? Because today I'm not feeling myself. But if you have a plan and you stick to it and you say, hey, I don't care how I feel, I'm going to do this tomorrow. Here are my, what I, when I feel like that, it's like, I got three things. I'm going to do something for me, something for my family and something for my business. And if all I do is those three things to push forward, no matter how small they are, then I feel accomplished. You know, I feel like, okay, I didn't just lay in the bed all day and didn't do anything. I'm not saying that some days you won't have those days, but they won't compound if you have a plan that you could revert back to. Wow. I love that. I I definitely think that I want to start implementing that because you're right. Like there really are days, especially, you know, there are life circumstances. Like you said, there are life circumstances. There's an excuse for everything. And mm-hmm. any any excuse will do is what my dad, my dad always says that. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's so true. It is. And and you, you think about those three things. And those, I think for a lot of people are some very important things. And as long as you do, you know, whatever those things look like, you're right. It's, it's okay to not feel like a failure for that day. And I think that those three things also kind of prevent that, that toxic side of hustle culture. Because hustle culture can be such a positive thing people moving forward, people really just running for their families. Um, But I do think there is a little bit of a toxic side of it just because I think it can become all consuming. And what are some ways that you are able to kind of maintain that balance of family, career, and taking time for yourself? What I would say is it's never going to be a complete balance. It's, It's more of a triage sometimes. It's like, what has to come first? You know what I mean? And because it's never like, okay, no matter how many times I write down, okay, at 17, I'm going to wake up and at 715, I'm going to brush my teeth. You know what I mean? And then I'm going to do this for my kid out the window. So sometimes it's about just triaging what needs to come first and then having things fall into place. And then, okay, before the end of the day, this is what I'm going to do. Like you said, it's so easy to get consumed with what you need to do, especially if you have a, a yearning to be successful. And I've always had a yearning to be successful successful as even as a little kid, because I want to be wealthy, not just for the money, but the freedom that it provides for my kids and and my children to come. And then like, if somebody comes to me, I could provide for them and I could be that big sister or auntie or whatever, you know what I mean? But also showing other people how to have that too. So it's a thin line because with this culture now, it's it's like, okay, we want to live, not we, but a lot of people are saying, hey, let's live the soft life. 
And but if you do not create this foundation and you constantly talk about the soft life, then it'll create a hard bed to lay in when you can't pay your bills or you haven't laid that foundation to live a soft life, you know? And because of my age, I'm right at like the cusp of like X millennial and I'm getting older. So it's almost like, okay, I know I need to work hard, but I do want to live a soft life. Okay. I know I, you know what I mean? And then, and then as we as we roll into social media being so prevalent and such a, an amazing way to make money, it's almost like, okay, do I want to get up today? Cause I can hop on social media and make 20 contacts. You know what I mean? So yeah. that, that balance for me is, is hard because I'm like, okay, like for example, like I mentioned earlier, I teach women, mostly women in the real estate business, how to leverage their social media to get more clients. So here's one thing that I did before I moved here. So I've been here a year, a year, maybe a month or two. And I've been on the leaderboard of sales for real estate almost immediately since I got here. So how I was able to do that is a month or two before I got here, I kind of packed my social media with hashtags and businesses from this area. So that was like a a pre, you know, like a preface of me before I got here. And because we're in this, this realm of if I see you on social media, I feel like I know you. So that's an advantage. So before I even got here, a bunch of people thought they knew me because I had already invaded their social media world. But here's the balance. Now, I then when I got here, I had to go out and consummate that relationship that they had created with me in person. So it was like, oh, I know you. Hey, Danielle. Hey, you know, because we've been following each other for months. So it, that's like, and I've done that with three different businesses three different times so there's that balance yeah you can you can leverage your social media but then you have to go out and be a real person so they could say oh she is who she says she is you know so there's that if, if that if if that answered your question I hope it did but it's weird you know yeah no it did and that's such a good point because that was actually one of my other questions um was you know how did you start this decision that you were going to leverage social media um and I love the way that you talk about it because it's it's so true that that you know that yes you can you can make phone call after phone call you can send email after email but at the end of the day, you got to pick up the phone. You got to call them. You have to speak to them face, you know, voice to voice. And then you have to go meet them face to face. And I think as, as sales kind of changes with this, with this generation, I know a lot of people in the past have, they just went and did cold meetings. Like they just went straight into the business and were like, hi, my name is so-and-so. It's nice to meet you. And that seems so terrifying to me. Yes. But that's <laughs> how it started. And even emails are great. Social media is great. Like you said, you have to get in front of that person for them to see you as a human. Because at the end of the day, that's how we connect. So when it comes to social media, I know sometimes there's some hesitancy to begin on social media, but then there's a lot of people who want to only use social media. You know, you have to get in front of the person and how you leverage the social media. But how do you help people change that mindset? So I guess because one, like I said, I am at that age where we did do everything in person in real life, you know, pre like when I was in college, we used a typewriter a little bit, you know, and then we went to a word processor and then it was only completely computers in the lab, not at home. And then we rolled into AOL and then that's when chat rooms started. So it's like, I'm on the cusp of both. So I do have that experience of being in person. And then I am where I'm still a little bit young enough to be like, okay, I want to be able to use social media. And then when you think about the benefits of it, like we discussed before, hey, 
hey, what if I had to go meet 10 people every day? I'm by, I'm naturally one of those friendly introverts where I have about a couple of hours a day of peopling and then I'm kind of burnt out. So if I had to do everything with sales, with it, which is not natural because who wants to be rejected all the time? It might be a little bit too much, but if I could do half and half like I've been doing and then open up, broaden my ability to reach people by utilizing social media, which increases my ability to be successful. Why not? Why not say, hey, I'm going to make this video no matter how cheesy it looks, because there are 10 other ladies that's like, oh, I, I could do that because look how her video started. It's when you try to put off this perfect perfectness that you overanalyze it and then you have the analysis of paralysis. And then when somebody catches you and they're like, oh, you did this wrong, then it's like, oh. but if you know you're not perfect and that makes you more relatable, wrong with it. You know what I mean? Because it's gonna be at least 10 people. And if you have a business, especially if it's a high ticket item, you only need one or two sales a month. And you mean to tell me out of the whole world that's connected to the internet, you can't find two people per month that are very similar to you that's, got, that's gonna vibe with you. So when I break it down like that, that's what opens the door to like, okay, I'm gonna put this goofy video out. And then COVID came and then that's all we had. And if you couldn't do it then, you had to do it because you were working from home. And you know, in Cali, it totally shut down. So if you did not get online, you did not make any money unless you were, you know, I worked at the hospital or something like that, but then you were safer at home. So it was like, let me figure out how to mesh that and make it work. And so it just, it just, it works for me. I create more money online or more people connect with me online than in person. But what I have realized, if you continue, it depends on what your job is. But if you're selling, let's say you're selling a course, it would behoove you to, okay, no, I'm not going to be in person all the time. But what if I had one main event a year, you know, and then you bought all those people together so they could see that you were a real person. And then you bought and, and you bought them in even closer because now the anticipation has risen and now they get to meet you in person and yeah. now all of y'all get to connect and now you've created a community that was originally online but now it's even stronger because you met once a year yeah um yeah that's and a lot of people are doing that even like podcast hosts or um youtubers they are able to have that predominant online presence but like you said they're they're having tours they're meeting like once every couple of years they're touring to other cities and that generates a lot of success because like you said, it really brings that person to life. And that is something that I think it sounds like anybody who has some sort of online business can do. And I, I think that totally answers that question with how do you steer that mindset of only social media, especially when you think about your, your in-person presence being, you know, I think a lot of people, yeah, like, yeah I could do one. I could do one, two, I could do three, maybe one a quarter. That definitely yeah. takes the pressure off of, especially anybody who doesn't like public speaking, um, which actually is another question that I have is what kind of advice would you have for anybody that does have a fear of public speaking and how can, you know, women slowly but surely overcome that? 
starting with small group, like smaller groups or like having a, or like online and you have a big presence online and you do a chat or you do a, you go live, you know what I mean? And just seeing that this many people are watching, but you could easily disrupt the live if you got nervous or just doing a answering question and answering informal. You know what I mean? Like if you have a speech all planned out, that's when it's going to go bananas. But if you're afraid and you just do a formal, informal questioning, answering where you're comfortable and you're giving truthful answers and it's, it's not rehearsed, it's easier for you to be yourself, then that's an easy way to kind of break that that plane of being afraid. Um, years ago, I was in Toastmasters and that helped me a lot too. You know, just doing that Toastmasters and practicing and getting up. And that was kind of like the old way, but now it's all about sincerity and being authentic and just telling your story, which is hard to get that wrong, you know? Yeah. When you said Toastmasters, I was like, oh, I used to work with a guy. He was my vendor and he'd call me and be like, hey, we just had a Toastmasters yesterday. Let me tell you what my topic was. And yep. uh it was a good, it was a good time. I never got to go to one of those, but I totally forgot that those were a thing. And and now we have, like you said, the the pressure as well, especially when you can just talk to a camera. It's literally just me and the camera. That's it. But I know that that fear is out there, and that it can be paralyzing, and it can really stop people from reaching their full potential simply because they do have that fear of speaking in front of people. And I love that you know that small steps, and and I think that that's going to be really helpful. And as far as like people who have, you know, the fear of rejection, especially when it comes to real estate. What is the the number one thing, if there's one thing that you could leave people with is, is how can they kind of mentally prepare themselves and, and stop fearing that rejection? So I think it's the biggest thing is expect it. Like don't go in it thinking you're going to get every sale, you're going to get it all right you're not going to make any mistakes because everything changes and every personality is different and pretty much every transaction is different and you got to welcome it. Like I've had a couple of doozies where, okay, it really knocked me off my A game for a little bit. And then the next time it happened, it, it might've been two days instead of a week. And then the next time it was like one month and it was like, I knew that this is what was what I was going to do. So that person was an issue. I worked through it. I used some techniques that I learned, like get, trying to get ahead of it or leaning into it instead of like waiting for them to call and you scared to answer, make the call first, create, you know, shift that energy, go first. Hey, this is what's going on. I want to, to communicate to you. I want to let you know what's going on versus allowing that person to call you already hype and say, hey, what's going on here? No, it's like, hey, I'm giving you a call because this is what happened. And I wanted to over communicate in case you had any questions. And then that, it, it's like that almost shifts the energy and what can, and they could yell, but who does? Or if I know it's a concern or if I know if it's an aggressive type person, when I answer the phone, I'm very firm. You know, I'm like, hello, this is Danielle. And they like, oh, um, but if I'm meek, if I'm barely answering it, if I'm like, hello, oh, it's like that just gave them some energy to just rip me apart. And it's so crazy how that works. It's not all the way, but it almost 95% of the time, if you assert yourself and, and you firm and you have that confidence, 
And and I'm not a big fake it till you make it person, but sometimes you have to just assert yourself and you got to stand your ground because there's some people that no matter even if you are right and they're wrong, they'll eat you apart. And sales is something that that could happen in. So you have to be ready. You have to practice. You have to, to not give up. You have to know that you'll make mistakes. You have to know that you're going to feel bad. Sometimes I see some really seasoned agents have bad days because yeah. it's, it's going to happen. And, and they, you know, they take a minute and they get right back up. Another thing is you get used to making that money. You get used to it and you're not going to let some one person out of 25 transactions stop you from making that money. And and I remember a, a broker who I was talking to and he was giving me advice and I had a horrible, horrible transaction. And he was like, okay, one way to get over that is go put two more under contract. That'll make you feel better. Wow. And when you do make the phone call first and you assert yourself, I mean, it, it even almost gives you a self-confidence that maybe you didn't even realize you had. Like you yep. said, you know, hey, this is Danny. Well, how's it going? Like, you know, if you're the one who kind of puts yourself out there first. And I think a lot of, especially on the other side of the transaction, I don't think people are usually expecting that. And especially with women in sales, women in real estate, they're kind of, I feel like they already have some preconceived notions. Again, hopefully we we can end the stigma, especially with your message, but it's still there. It's still there. And when you're able to surprise somebody, you kind of, they, they, they're taken aback and you're like, I have the advantage now. Yeah. That shift of energy is like magic. I didn't believe it at first, you know how, but I, when I, when I do it, when I've done it, it's like, oh yeah, I was just going to tell you about, but before if they put that call in and they working up what they going to say, and then you answer and you sound, you know, it's like they did. Oh, okay. Yeah. And now I'm like, no, uh, -uh. <laughs> but it <laughs> yeah, took exactly. me a while to get there. That's not my, I don't want to say that's not my natural innate ability, but it's, it's learning how to read the room is knowing what I want is knowing what I'm willing to put up with is knowing what I want for my family is knowing what I'm willing to do for it. You know, it's like a totality of all of that come into play. Like, Hey, this is what I want. And that one person does not deserve to make me feel bad or stop me or stand in the way or, you know, always be on my back. It's like, Oh no, I'm yeah. not. Especially as women. It's so easy to to convert you know and let let other people be the strong person or just play along you know what I mean and but no it's, yeah you can't you can't do that all the time because you get swallowed up swallowed whole yeah and it's a tough lesson to learn too when you're oh, when yeah. you do and my dad always says something and it's one of my favorite things that he says and I, I need to listen to it more often but he says what people think of you is not your business it doesn't matter yeah. like as long as you're out there you're doing what you're supposed to be doing what they think of you negative positive don't matter to you but how as a community can we help support you if you know anybody anybody that wants to be a realtor if they got any questions anybody that just it wants to be in sales and want to be able to leverage their social media. If anybody has any questions of why they should be in real estate or why they should be in sales or just a, a way, just even a, for motivation or confidence, because that's the biggest thing. Because once you have that confidence, everything else is like, okay, boom, you know, they could feel it. They could, people could smell it when you come in the room. And, but that's something that we lack sometimes for whatever 
whatever reason, whatever trauma, whatever. But the, it's, that's the big thing. Let me know. Ask questions. I'm here to answer them. Role play. You know, it's just that we need to get more involved. What I have learned, even though, you know, if you have a household and it's a husband, wife, and, you know, the, the husband may be the dominant, but it's crazy how much that mom dictates what goes on in that household, you know, without even being the dominant figure. So if mom has a, a strong personality or she's going after what she wants, those kids will do it. If mama eating healthy and working out inadvertently, those kids going to do it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I always like to say, even if it's a guy and they wear the pants, we the belt and we the zipper and we the pockets, you know? So yeah, <laughs> that's a really good analogy. Actually, I love that because it's true. Moms are the glue of the family a lot of the time. Yep. Like I know that so many people that come on here, you know, they're uh, traumatized. They are people who maybe lost themselves because something happened. And I love your message. Even like you said, even if it, they don't want to be in real estate, follow you anyway, check it out. Because I'm telling you guys, when you are kind of in that weird in between of like, I don't, I don't know who I am after trauma, or I don't know who I am in, in adulthood. I don't, you know, if you're lost in the sauce, there's a mm -hmm. direction for you. And following someone like Danielle is going to really help you figure that out. And of course, she's not going to give you the answers for your whole life, but there's no. a direction. <laughs> there's a GPS out there for you. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of inspiration. Um, and Danielle, where can everybody follow you at? And I'll, of course, I'll post links to everybody. We'll, we'll get her out there, but where can we follow you? Um, I'm on Instagram, of course, at danielle.fay.king. Um, I'm on TikTok at danielle.fayking. I'm on Facebook, Um, <laughs> Just, at, you know, danielle.fayking. I'm everywhere. Google me. I'm there. And, you know, any questions, I have an email address. It's danielle at daniellekingrei.com. Um, of course, DM me, PM me. Just ask questions. It's just so crazy how uh, one thing that I've always done is if you go through trauma or just being alive and, and going through every day is going to create some type of trauma and we change and it's okay to change and it's okay to grow and like something different than we didn't like before but you have to be intentional about healing like you if you go through something you're not gonna wake up the next day and be totally healed if you didn't do something different to cause the healing like if you're not reading self-help books or if you're not getting therapy or if you're not journaling if you're not praying if you're not meditating if you're not doing anything new you're not gonna get anything new you know what I mean? So it's not yeah. like, it's like fitness. You're not going to eat what you want and then wake up skinny the next day. Yeah. Ever. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's so true. It really is. I'm a huge proponent for all of those things, whatever you have to do to bring yourself out of that rut. Because at the end of the day, you're the only one who can. The only one yeah. who knows you the best, who's going to be with you for the rest of your life is you. That's it. I mean, you have a family, sure. And we all are very, very motivated by our families. But at the end of the day, who's in your body? You are. And yep. I definitely go to therapy. <laughs> yep. I'm a huge proponent. I'm like, anytime somebody comes to me with a problem, I'm like, have you, have you tried talking to somebody? <laughs> Have you? Um, and then what I tell like the younger generation, because, you know, like I have kids that are, tw you know, 20s and teens and they seem to think that like 
the older you get, the less you know, you know? And I'm, and, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense for technology, but human nature just repeats itself. And I tell my kids like, hey, all of those therapy books, all of that Maslow, all of that junk, everything that those therapists are studying is from years and years and years ago, which lets us know that the human mind is kind of like the same and it just recycles, you know what I mean? So all of that stuff, like you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs that was almost 100 years ago and it's still yes. the same you're right it does it all comes full circle and and I definitely am one of those people who like didn't think my dad knew anything at all and now as an adult I'm like thank you so much dad or like yep. I appreciate you know what you and what your dad taught you and the fact that we get to pass that down and mm-hmm. it's incredible and Danielle thank you so much for your time thank you for coming on here thanking you for wanting to spread such a good message and I'm excited for people to get to know you and follow you um if there are any what what are your last final thoughts anything that you can leave us with going forward just do it just hurry up and do it before you talk yourself out of it. An- yeah. Another thing I like to say is that fear is coming. Bring fear along with you. A lot of people are like, I'm not bringing fear and don't be afraid. You know, we need to be afraid sometimes because it's our little sounding bell to say, hey, you're doing something silly. But bring fear along and they don't have to sit in the front seat. They can sit in the back seat. Some bring fear in the trunk just as, a- but go anyway. You know, like, hey, come on, we going. Not, I'm not going to bring you with me and I'm not going to do it until I'm not afraid anymore. I'm going to do it even though I'm afraid. And that's like yeah. 90% of what I do. I'm terribly, terribly afraid. And I'm like, I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Thank you so much. Again, I I cannot thank you enough. I'm going to make sure you guys go follow her. I will make sure that it is plastered everywhere where to follow her. You guys can follow me at X isn't T underscore podcast. That's on Instagram and TikTok. Guess what? You guys, we finally started our YouTube channel. Woo-hoo! We're going to start putting um, podcast episodes on there. It's not going to be video yet, but we're going to get there. You guys, we're going to get there. So go over to YouTube and subscribe and you guys can find us on apple music spotify tuesdays and fridays we'll see you guys next time thank you thank you